This is Ros Jones, your business coach with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bits, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss. We share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Well, hello and welcome to episode 36 of Bold Business Bits podcast show. This is Ros Jones and today I'm joined by Tammy Banks, co-director of Tay Training, among other things. I caught up with Tammy in her camper van while she was off for a seven-week tour around the UK with her family, mixing business with pleasure. Tammy speaks with passion about her purpose, developing a training methodology to help build resilience in frontline professionals working to break the generation cycle of abuse in society. Tammy's journey is inspirational. Listen on and enjoy our show. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Rose. Thank you so much for joining me on your travels. So Tammy <laughs> is currently uh, in her camper van in very sunny Chroma, combining work with play. I am, yeah, and the weather is absolutely glorious here, so I'm feeling very fortunate today. Mm, gorgeous. So Tammy, you are the director of Tay Training, and that's your uh, business you started last year, but you're also other things, I think. Yeah, so I started Tay Training, actually I'm the co-director, I'm Tammy, and my co-director is called Faye, so that's how we came up with Tay, um, and Tay Training's about five years old now, but through Tay Training, I'm also currently the interim consultant director for the Association of Child Protection Professionals, and I also have the um, privilege of sitting on the committee for standards the parliamentary committee where I assess adjudicate and sanction MPs um, who have broken the code of conduct. Ah okay very impressive lots of work to do there I'm sure. So Tammy fantastic how did you get to be where you are now? Oh gosh so Roz how long have you got? <laughs> um, it's been In a bit of a journey. It's been a bit of a journey. I've actually um, only been full-time in Tay training since last November when I um, took the plunge into going full-time and then take the other commissions through my role within Tay training. Prior to that, Tay built up um, accidentally. I, I quite often refer to Tay as an accidental business because myself and my colleague and best friend Faye were working within a charity embedded in the criminal justice system and we were extremely frustrated by the fact that our staff members and our teams we were um, sending them off for training they came back and the training didn't meet the needs that they had and so we started um, I'm a real believer in if you want something to change you need to be involved in that change so we started delivering some training and over a course of kind of three and a half years we grew into a business because the need was there um, and now we actually stand at we've got just short of 50 facilitators delivering nationally and we deliver um, training specifically to transform criminal justice social care and charity frontline services wow. um, and have a methodology um, that's connected to that wow you're obviously clearly passionate about it so what was the thing that made you go into that? Uh, well, my my life's mission, um, I'm really clear on, um, it's very much about interrupting the generational cycle of abuse, which sounds really complicated, but actually is the easiest thing to do. 
and that comes back from my own history so if any of your um listeners are interested then i have a tedx talk on youtube that talks about homeless department and um the subtitle is why kindness matters and it's about the fact that every single one of us every single day has the ability to help somebody transform their life and to give hope and i spent four years as a, a complex and abusive childhood and then i spent four years as a teenager living on the streets and then I went straight from being homeless into university so it was a real um a real difficult time in my life and one which I wouldn't repeat for all the uh, all the tea in the world Um, but equally I wouldn't um I I wouldn't erase it either because it's taken me to where I am and I moved I studied psychology at uni and then as soon as I possibly could, I went into working with young people who had been incarcerated in young offenders institutes and everything I do, I do to try and interrupt that generational cycle of abuse because it is so simple. So yeah. the training company was never set up to be a training company. We, it's, I never had this desire to um, go into training. It was very much that actually within the sectors that have the, the power to transform lives and also the duty and the responsibility, because when people are in very difficult situations or very vulnerable, very marginalised people, they're accessing services and they absolutely have a right to access exceptional values led services. Yeah. And so the training came about when I was actually I was um, CEO of a um, charity working to prevent sexual abuse and my team, we couldn't access effective training my team would go on training and I guess to to explain if you're if you're working in the sector at the moment and actually for as long as I can remember unfortunately the frontline workers are over overworked they're under pressure the caseloads are growing and they have complex lives themselves we all do to release a team member or a full team to go on to training for them to then that day not be able to see the most vulnerable people in society and then they come back and say well actually that wasn't useful it wasn't effective or I don't understand how it relates to my role it's an absolute um, waste of time it's really frustrating and actually the the work that they could have been doing to support some complex people and, and work with people's vulnerabilities they've lost the whole day so um, as I said at the beginning I'm a great believer in um, if you want something to change and you need to be involved in that change so myself and Faye started delivering some training and that built up alongside um, working full time within the charity sector. And it was only last November, actually, that I took the leap to go full time in Tay training, recognising the impact of the way that the facilitators that um, we have and that we train up to use our methodology are really rebuilding that emotional resilience that frontline workers need and really kind of giving them that values-led perspective in every single training session. So it's having that impact on the frontline. So it's my whole mission, everything I do, my parliamentary work, my policy um, championing for change at policy level and such like, it's all about actually trying to interrupt that generational cycle of abuse. And I see training frontline professionals effectively and helping them recognizing that they're struggling too and helping them build their emotional resilience i see that as a creative solution to be able to support in frontline professionals to be the best they can possibly be so that they can then 
help transform somebody else's life. And it all plays back to my story. It all plays back to the story yeah. I told in the TEDx that is about one frontline professional who was in a good place herself and offered me the gift of hope and then gave me the ability. She was the first adult in my life who hadn't exploited me or didn't want something or hadn't harmed me. And so she gave me the gift of hope, the gift of connection, which then led into the gift of opportunity, which then led into me being able to change my environment, go to university, etc. And the rest is history. So yeah. I'm really passionate about if you can help one person, then actually that one person, that butterfly kind of wing effect really it is everlasting. Yeah. Absolutely everlasting. So so yeah, sorry, that's my um, short version of yeah. <laughs> why I do this. That's <laughs> not uh, very short. No, that's fabulous. It just uh, is. Well, um, I, I, somebody said, you know, the inspirational Tammy Banks, and now I, and now I get that, absolutely. What about the time, Tammy, that's in its sort of business perspective? So, you, so last year you, you said you decided to take that leap into going full-time into training. So what was the trigger and how, you know, how did you manage to do that and what was it like? So interestingly, I still struggle a little bit with when people refer to me as a businesswoman yeah. um, because I've never held that identity before and I've always worked within social care or charities. So even taking on that identity as a businesswoman is quite difficult in itself. Mm. Now, we about must have been about five years ago, no, about four years ago, there was a bit of a crunch point where myself and Faye, we were both working full-time for charities and Tay training we'd, we'd been doing a bit of training ourselves and then we had to register as a company to be able to do some of the training that we'd been asked to do so we registered as a company just just to be able to do this little bit of training we'd been asked to do and we had no visions of it being anything more than a little bit of extra pocket money for us but equally the people that we were doing a couple of training sessions a month to they were getting all of their needs met and they were getting really effective um, values-led training. And so we had no more visions than that. And then about a year later, myself and Faye sat down and kind of went, oh gosh, we really need to make a decision because everybody wants us to train for them. And it, it's a little bit crackers. And we kind of sat there and both of us were really clear and firm that we didn't want to leave the charity that we were working within at that point. So we said no. And we thought at that point so do we just need to stop Tay training but we loved what Tay training was doing and people the feedback that we were getting was phenomenal because because we were operational experts with walk the walk we we care so much about the end outcome because the end outcome is about people's lives yes. um, and we care so much about that but also we've been frontline professionals ourselves and then risen through the ranks so when we were delivering the training we were really rebuilding those frontline professionals so that we can then kind of send them back out irrelevant of what the subject of the training was we were rebuilding them and then send them back out so they were at the top of their game so therefore they were transforming lives again so we didn't want to stop that either so we got to this crunch point and what we ended up doing at that point was actually looking around us and, and luckily for us we were surrounded by some other just amazing people people within our teams people that we worked in partnership with people that had worked within criminal justice or charities for years that we held in real high regard and we asked them if they wanted to come on board too and so that's what happened with Tay training for a good for the next three years really and then it got to a stage where we kind of stopped and went oh 
oh, what, what on earth's happened here? This is this is making a huge impact. It's even bigger now. And I, I'm quite an analytical person, so I wanted to know why people wanted us and they weren't just picking um, the cheapest or the first that Google told them to pick or yeah. or anything like that. So, I, so I'm quite analytical. So I went through this process of kind of analysing the facilitator's feedback, the feedback from the delegates, the organisation's feedback, etc. And it came out really clear that we were doing something special. And that was because we never set out to be trainers. We set out to help people to keep continue transforming lives. Yeah, That's where the methodology derived from. And as I was doing that analysis, I was writing down as I was going. And actually, to be fair, I wasn't writing down. I was talking to a wonderful lady who was writing it down for me. Um, <laughs> and out of that, a methodology came about of really clearly our facilitators delivered in a really specific way where they were operational experts in their field. They were expert facilitators. They had facilitation skills. So they weren't trying to deliver. They weren't just kind of presenting training. They were taking people on a learning experience. Yeah. We tailor everything that we do. So if we're doing safeguarding training, for instance, um, although the legislation might be the same, it'll be quite different depending on who your customer group is because actually the risks that are presented are very different. And then we, everything that we do specifically is very, very engaging. So we, we spend a lot of time on learning styles and ensuring that everybody's learning styles are met. We use accelerated learning tools so that people retain as much information as possible. And then the golden thread of what we do is being values led. And that's multifaceted really, because it's from valuing um, the people in the room. So quite often, unfortunately, you'll get a trainer that kind of turns up and delivers training, but actually what we do at Tay and what our methodology, our methodology speaks to the fact that it's an absolute privilege to have six or seven hours of somebody's life that you're delivering you're facilitating training with them they're never going to get that time back and that magic time and so take your values into the room as a facilitator value the people you're delivering the training to help them recognize their why 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 are they working in the sector when they could get paid the same and it'd be simpler to do a different job Um, but then really importantly how in the delegates in the room, frontline professionals, whether they be police, socials, whoever it is, really recognize with and recognize the of the quality and supporting people from from that perspective. When that came out as a really clear methodology, if I'm honest, I was quite flawed by it. I kind of sat back in a little bit of shock, and at this point, we were at the level at the stage where. We needed to make another decision about because it, because we were both myself and Faye were working more hours than are actually in a week. <laughs> we were doing kind of 40 hours in our page earn charity job, which we both loved and easily another 30, 40 hours in Tay. Wow. Um, and it just wasn't sustainable. <laughs> so so we got to that next kind of crunch point. And because we could see the huge impact just our training was having from Tay training with and we built up by that point I think we had about 30 facilitators delivering because we'd built it up to that level we then kind of sat and went wow if we actually stopped and focused on this from a business perspective because this has been kind of happening as a sideline wow the difference that we could make is phenomenal and if we shared this methodology with other trainers elsewhere via a book because that's what had kind of happened as I was 
analyzing and going along then actually the impact and the influence that this methodology could have could transform well, countless lives and so so that was the decision that that we made specifically for me to then step into the business full time and focus on it from a business perspective and that's where and I've been on on a huge journey mm. of that change in identity but also business is different and you know I've had to learn things that and I am a lifelong learner but gosh I've had to learn things about finance and about mm. business plans and about ensuring that you're really kind of meeting your goals as you're going along and you know paying the mortgage at the end of the month is really down to whether you get out of bed and do the work and you know, yeah. all of those those type of things and alongside that just that whole we are a not-for-profit business at the moment uh, and you know we haven't cracked that making the profit we're investing literally everything back in to be able to provide the services for our facilitators mm -hmm. to be exceptional and for our, for our customers so so i'd say that i've got a lot to learn but I've got an amazing community around me. People are wonderful. And I would always say um, leaning into people, you know, getting the support of coaches, yeah. going to people that have been there and walked the walk. One of um, the things that I'm proudest of about myself is I'm not bothered about the things that I don't know. I'm really good at some things and I know them well and people will come to me to support them with that. Yeah. Everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I will absolutely go to other people and say, can you help me with this? you know what did you do in this situation or or lean into support in different areas i don't see that as a weakness at all i see that as an absolute strength yeah and i think from a from a coaching perspective from a business perspective that's exactly what i've what i've been doing um and because of that tay training is going strength from strength to strength we we just have an amazing um tribe of facilitators but equally the um the book comes out in a few short weeks goodness and then people everywhere will be able to use our methodology to be able to transform their training and change lives and that is just so exciting fantastic what a fantastic story what a great journey just truly inspirational absolutely well thank you so much um tammy before before we finish there's one piece of advice so i'm a, a woman here just about to set up my business what number one piece of advice would you share with me honestly i think it'd be have faith in yourself Mm -hmm. um, I know that sounds really cliche, but have faith in yourself. Take that step. And no matter how small the steps are, do you know, it took me nearly five years to move into business. Do you know, I've, I've, as I've said, incrementally, things have happened along the way. No matter how small the steps are, as long as you're still moving forward, you're still moving forward. So have, have faith in yourself and do not hesitate to look elsewhere and get the support and the guidance of people who have been there before you and already done it because there'll be a thousand more coming after you that you can then repay that kindness and support them on their journey. Yeah, love that. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thanks very much for joining me today. Well, thanks so much for inviting me, Roz. It's been a pleasure. In our conversation, Tammy talked about paying it forward. She was given a chance of hope and now she does the same for others. So what exactly is paying it forward and why should we bother? To pay it forward means that instead of paying someone back for a good deed, you do a good deed for someone else. Like on a rainy day, you might hand an umbrella to someone who needs it. Or if you're in the supermarket and the person in front hasn't got any money, you may help them out. So the possibilities are endless. And I've put together 
eight reasons why we pay it forward and you'll think of a lot more. Number one, when you pay it forward, you're usually changing someone else's circumstances for the better. Sometimes you're actually saving another person's life without even realising it. Number two, paying it forward inspires generosity and compassion. All too often we think too much about our own needs without considering how our behaviour affects others. What we say and do matters every time. Ultimately, the person paying it forward grows as much as a person receiving the act of kindness. Number three, paying it forward actually alters our cultural identity. We affect the environment of our home life, the workplace and social places. People who act more altruistically in all phases of their life make the world more bearable. And we could do with some of that right now, hey? Number four, paying it forward introduces you to new people who might enrich your life, both emotionally and financially. People you would have never met under different circumstances sometimes become pivotal players in your life. Number five, by paying it forward, you practice credibility and accountability by considering others' needs. This carries over into everything you do. You feel better about yourself because you're trying to make everyone's lives better, especially your own. Number six, Others trust you more readily and take you into their confidence when they see you paying it forward. They respect you more because they have less reason to doubt you. Seven. And paying it forward is also self-affirming. Granted, pure altruism doesn't exist in the sense that we act on our own behalf even when we do good deeds for others. But so what? We're still performing kindly acts. And finally, number eight. Paying it forward becomes an essential part of your critical thinking process and this extends to future generations. If you've got kids, they'll see this in you and carry the same tradition forward. They'll be more rational, humane creatures and that can only be good. Finally, some people even schedule pay it forward moments into their daily routines because kind acts make them feel good and it helps them remember to do it. Everyone needs help and attention at times. It's up to us to act when the opportunity presents itself. So look out for those opportunities. Hope you've enjoyed listening to our show. See you next time. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bits podcast show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with Bold Business Bits. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.